Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, it was one of those 80s films that people just seem to talk about, like Goonies. It's in that sort of category. I was blown away by it. I thought it was a really enjoyable, fun little hour and a half. Much of this movie can be owed to 1950s stuff or Jaws. You look at the poster for Tremors, it's Jaws. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of Evil Dead filmmaking going on here. The worm is very, very silly when you look at it. It's completely ridiculous, but I love it. Also, you have that annoying teenager. He's the worst person in any film I've ever seen. Such a twat. He deserved to have been eaten. Yeah, absolutely. I was I rooting for him to be killed. <laughs> Hey everyone, recording today with Flix Watcher, we have Scott. Hello there. Cam. Hello. And Kobe. Hello. And we're here to review everyone's favorite giant worm film, Tremors. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Joining us on Flixwatcher podcast today remotely, we have Cam and Scott. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Yeah, we're here with, uh, this is Cam. We're here with the Spy Hards podcast, where every week we tackle a different spy film and decide if it makes the knock list. And now, Scott, what is the knock list? Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm Scott, and the knock list is a, a very weird way of saying the need to see official classics of Spy Hard's podcast, which is an even weirder way of saying what we think are the best spy films of all time. And so we uh, we we go through any spy film we can find, be it a good one, a bad one, Born, Bond, Powers, Palmer, and boil it down to: is it the best spy film it can be, and does it make the knock list? Well, everyone's got to have a brand. It's nice to have a nice branded, quippy. Um phrase that's that's your own so uh, when i had not this first i was like is that something is that spy related um it's, it could well be well we uh, we did technically uh lift it from a spy film was it, was it mission impossible spy points yeah. for you there you go <laughs> the the term knock list popped up and then it was like okay now we need to bend over backwards to create <laughs> the words that will fit those letters <laughs> 
Well, fair play, guys. It's fine, you know. We've made up a word for hours, so it's, it's you know, it's completely fine. That's what you have to do to be, you know, a podcaster these days. You have to make up words. Well, we're not talking about spy films today. We're talking about Tremors. Um, and this is your choice, uh, Scott. Can you tell us, first of all, why you chose it? And then you have 60 seconds or less to give a synopsis. Okay, so why I chose it, um, sort of twofold. The first thing is... I want to take you back to a film that we covered, which uh, is called Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, uh, which is a, a spy film from the 80s starring one Fred Ward. And on uh, that episode, uh, Cam remarked that uh, Fred Ward can be a leading man, just not in that film. And he said he was really good in Tremors. So I made a note of that in my head. And then when you guys asked to pick a film, I saw Tremors on the list and it had actually been on my to-watch list for a long time. I had not seen it until this point. Uh, it was one of those 80s films that people just seem to talk about, like Goonies. It's in that sort of category. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what sort of got me to the game. And as for a synopsis, here we go. Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward play two local handymen, <laughs> Valentine and Earl, in the town of Perfection, Nevada. Bored of their daily lives, the men try to leave town for a better life, only to be stopped by a series of unexplained deaths. The two must now do battle alongside local seismologist Rhonda and gun-toting maniacs Bert and Heather Gummer against an underground menace with a taste for humans before perfection is lost forever. It's like you've practiced that and written it down. That's very good. Yeah, and, very you know, good. I, I do read out the synopsis on the podcast every week, so I, 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 I'm trying to work on my trailer voice. Hmm. Oh, well, Hollywood should be knocking on your door. Uh, Cam, you're the one that introduced... Well, it was, it was, the first time Cam said it, was that the first time you heard of Tremors, Scott? I, I had heard of it. It was one of those films oh, that okay. just gets like thrown around, like, oh, Tremors, oh, Goonies, in that sort of uh, realm. But I had never seen it. It was always on my watch list on, on Netflix, the... The, the Remo Williams and uh, the Fred Ward connection just made me choose it. It's only come to Netflix recently. I don't know if it's the first time, but uh, I was pleased when it did because um, I hadn't seen it for like a couple, for decades. But it, I think it's just 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 nineties, not eighties. I thought it was earlier than I thought. I thought it was eighties as well, um, just because the amount of times I watched it as a kid. Um, mm. But Cam, what, what was your experience with the Tremors? I mean, I saw this movie when I was a teenager. I was probably about. 16 or so 16 or 17 so it's mm. around the year 1996 or 97 somewhere in there and i remember my friends and i rented it and we really enjoyed it you know creature features tend to play well and uh i was a big fan of like anaconda uh jaws is my favorite movie of all time mm. so and i even enjoy jaws three and four um if you give me this type of movie i'll be entertained i can definitely differentiate between the good and the bad but even a bad one i'll sit there with a smile on my face <laughs> where which which are the ones that strike you as, as a bad creature feature okay um i'll tell one that i think people should watch if they w gather your friends together when it's safe to do so or however you want to you know whenever um but have a couple drinks and watch shark attack 3 megalodon you will not be disappointed. Um, these are these are not nice kind of films. The Meg being a recent one, which you have to just sit down and think, okay, this is stupid, but let's get on with it because it, it, it's exactly that kind of film. Um, whereas, I don't know, where, do, where does Tremors rank in the kind of silly scale? Helen? It's, it's, I'd say it's pretty silly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember, it's a 15 certificate, but I definitely would have been much younger than 15, mm. probably like, 12 when i would have watched this 
for the first time. Did you watch on, on TV in the UK when it was on? Yeah. yeah, so it would have been, what, like a year and a half after yeah, it exactly. came out? Is that about Yeah, 12, time? 13 for us in. And basically the bit where the like the power drill drills into the worm and kind of like the blood splurts up and the bit where uh, someone's basically been eaten and just their face remains in the sand where he lifts the hat up are kind of like the two moments that remain in my memory the most. And um, it's kind of schlocky but kind of gruesome mix of gore and just plain stupid and stupidity was exactly what like 12 year old me loved at that time so um it is pretty ridiculous uh watching it now in is sort of a <laughs> sophisticated eyes the worm is very very silly when you look at it it's very slimy it's clearly like a worm like robotic worm it's completely ridiculous but I love it for it. And um, Scott, as a first time watcher, what did you think? Did you think my friends are all idiots? What is this <laughs> film? Or could you love it having not loved it? As a kid. At an inappropriate time as a young person back in the 90s before films were much better made. Well, I, I will say my friends are all idiots. But <laughs> that, I can attest to this. Yeah. But that aside, I was I was again kind of worried going into this a little bit because I uh, I watched Goonies a couple of years ago after mm. all the hype for the first time and I didn't like the film. It wasn't for me. It's not very really good. It's not. Well, great. Everyone agrees with me. This is nice and makes a change. So I thought it had the same effect. Like it was one of those beloved kids films, that sort of thing. But I was blown away by it. I thought it was a really enjoyable, fun little hour and a half. And uh, talking about the worm, if we were to mention that, I mean, praise to practical effects. Mm. It, it still looks great. I mean, it looks kind of hammy, but great in its own way. If it was CG, it would look awful. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Well, one thing I liked about the worm in this rewatch was the first time you see the, the bit of the worm, you think you think it's like that kind of arm-sized, mm. and that, that's what you think the threat is. But then when you realise there's a bigger threat behind that, it becomes like, oh, shit. And I'm not sure if I kind of appreciated that, but I thought that was a really cool way to you know, build things up. And that kind of laid into some of the comedy, like, oh, there's Stumpy, there's you again, uh, kind of thing. And so I, I really enjoyed those aspects of it. And I, yeah, I, I do. Th I, I just remember thinking this was an 80s film. I, I checked the, the release date after watching it. And still when watching it, I thought, yeah, this is an 80s film mm. um, because of my memory, you know, how I phrase it in my mind. Also, you had that character who would have been played by Corey Feldman, annoying teenager. He's the worst person in any film I've ever seen. Such a twat. He deserved to have been eaten. Yeah, absolutely. I was I rooting for him to be killed. <laughs> more than more than um, your convenience stop guy, he was amazing. Yeah. And that, that, it's that kind of person that you see in 80s films loads. But the per the thing that made me think, hold on, this is, this is maybe later, is that girl who was in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, mm. on, other than Pogo stickers, like, Adriana. Yeah, Richardson. I was like, ah, she's, that's her from Jurassic Park and she looks not too dissimilar age and Jurassic Park came out in 1993. I was like, okay, I have no idea when this is set, but um, that's a long way of staying. I, I enjoyed it then, I enjoyed it now. And yeah, I totally agree with the practical effects there, Scott, because if it's done well, practical effects, it still stands the test of time. And I don't think it was that hokey on, on this rewatch. No, and I think they do a really good job explaining the physiology of these worms. We understand exactly how they operate. It's one of my frustrations, actually, just the other night I was watching Quiet Place Part Two, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that movie's very effective at its suspense sequences. But in terms of, like, monster design and usage in a film, I don't think it's as successful as Tremors, where I completely understand this creature. And you have, you know, the seismologist there to explain exactly how it moves. The ugly, and, the ugly horrible seismologist. Oh, no, yeah. no, no oh, How revolting. The <laughs> zinc on her nose, disgusting. Real deal breaker there. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and so I completely buy into just the physical reality of these creatures the way I don't when I'm watching a CG blur whip across mm. the screen and grab someone. I, I agree with that. It's almost like... Tremors walked so a quiet place could run in some places. But um, I was going to say, talking of ages, so Fred Ward was 48 in this. I mean, he's a guy who, if you're trying to like age a film and he's in it, it's pretty hard because he's kind of looked like 48 for like the last 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's great in it. He's got that kind of gruff, sort of wizened guy to Kevin Bacon's kind of young... Upstart. Chump. So they're they're a great pair on screen. But yeah, 48. I I don't know if he looks old or young for that. I just can't work it out. I think I'll be so depressed when when I reach an age where I'm watching a movie with Fred Ward and he's younger than me. (laughs) I think that will just be like devastating. (laughs) Was this the first time you saw Kevin Bacon in film, Helen Cam? I believe he would have been in Friday the 13th before this but he would yeah this is the first kevin bacon film i would have seen easily mm. was he when was planes trains and automobiles was this was that after this that's 87 oh so he, he would it just had a little bit part in that but i still remember he's got he's got a very distinctive face hasn't he old, old bacon yeah he's also in national lampoon's animal house um i think i saw that before this so that's like the early 80s. But his career is always is a fascinating one to follow, generally. He picks fun films, he picks you know decent films. I mean, Sleepers is one I don't want to watch again. Mm-hmm. Um, so he picks a range of films, which you think back in the 80s, it was always going to be kind of high jinks, flash dance, this kind of thing. Um, but his, yeah, his career is quite wide-ranging and interesting. Especially when he started doing those EE adverts. <laughs> I thought someone's that was the setup. That was the setup. Have you seen them, Cam? Uh, no, I haven't. No. So it's a mobile phone company here in the I mean, UK. Yeah, don't, don't watch them if you want to uphold like a high. No, no, go to YouTube and... and type in Kevin Bacon EE and uh, enjoy. <laughs> I'll send them to him later uh, if if he needs some comedy material. It's basically he's on our televisions every day now, selling us phones. Okay. Trying to be like your mate and everything, and it's like. You're not my mate, Kevin. I remember back in the day, there was so much talk about Kevin Bacon's career in terms of like comparing it to, say, someone like Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. someone of his sort of age demo and how, be, you know, they would always say like, you know, you know, um, you know, Kevin Bacon's never really hit it big. He's never become kind of that A-lister. But when you look at the guy's body of work, in some ways, it's much more interesting because he was making a movie like Tremors. He would make a flash dance. He would jump kind of all over the place and try all these different things. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Kevin Bacon. Uh, does anyone have a favorite film of his? It's probably this for me. Yeah, it's probably this for me or the EE adverts again. Oh, even though you've, you've seen it for the first time. <laughs> have you seen two Kevin Bacon films? Is that what you're saying? If, if you put all those adverts together, I've probably seen two Kevin Bacon films. <laughs> Even a punchline in Guardians um, of the Galaxy. This is, this, is, this is good, but then I'm just having a look. This is probably the one that I've seen in the most in and probably my favourite, but then A Few Good Men mm. is pretty good in that. That's yeah. what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on Netflix now. Crazy crazy Stupid Love as well oh, is good in that. Oh, Lind- Lindhagen. That's such a funny yeah. role, actually. So it, 
he's kind of, he's, he's very good at doing sort of dry humour and then he's also got some like serious acting chops on it as well. So he's he's just very um yeah, he's just got range, hasn't he? And believability, I think, for me. Well, he's very yeah. versatile because I think of also his villain performance in X-Men First Class, and he's so much mm-hmm. fun in that movie. So he's definitely the type of he's basically a character actor who has leading man looks. Um what about other kind of Monster in the House films? You, you talked about a few there, Cam, at the start. Where hmm. where do you, Helen and Scott, sit on these kind of features? Mine's gone blank. Throw some at me. Well, Jaws. Um, yeah. Anaconda. Yeah. Oh, I love Jaws, yeah. Um, Anaconda less so. I think, for me, the monster has got to be kind of good. So I think when they when you kind of end up with CGI monsters, they're never ever as good as the kind of puppet or the mechanical monsters so is it is it so they, they kind of have to is it mainly determined on the actual monster itself rather than the kind of the setup and everything for you to make a, a good a good one of these i just think it's more entertaining if the monster is good because if if you're kind of watching it and the monster appears and it's just a massive disappointment then it's a bit like mm. like if you're going in if the monster is intentionally meant to be kind of like looking a little bit bad or obviously with tremors they they've gone in with the fact that you know this monster is what it is they're not trying to like dress it up as being something else other than they've just kind of like slid loads of slime over it to make it look a little bit slimy and it is kind of has that feel whereas you get more recent ones where they've really really tried to make the monster look great but it just looks like shit cgi and it's a bit like should have just made it, tried to make it look shit rather than than good. I think, you know, the monster is a big part for me. <laughs> Would Alien count as one? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it's probably one of the best ones. It's most iconic in terms of the monster, apart from maybe mm. Jaws. I mean, maybe Jaws would probably win, actually, out of all of them. I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking of some, like, uh, episodes of X-Files where you have... It, yeah, the, the monster X-Files yeah. are way my favourite as opposed to the Alien like the Tombs episodes of X-Files, for example, they... Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrifying some of those, I remember, as, as a kid. Shit scared of those. Because you, you could believe that, because, like, his hand, they did so well with making his hands kind of look, like, stretchy, that you were like, hmm, yeah, this, this, this could happen. I'm going to close up my cat hole. Just, like, <laughs> yeah, like, just spend the night watching the, the, the grades and things going, hmm, I think, I think I can hear some fingers trying to undo some screws. What this one really reminds me a lot of, too, is the 1950s sci-fi films that came out of the whole Atomic era. Yeah. Um, where it's kind of those nature gone amok kind of films. And I think of movies like Tarantula or Them. Mm. Uh, Them is the one with the giant ants. This feels to me like it's often trying to evoke these, uh, obviously with the desert setting in, in those two cases. And um, it's that same sort of playfulness. But it removes that character who's the scientist that gives really boring exposition throughout the movie, which those movies tended to have in spades. This one, you do have the seismologist, but it's pretty quick and fast-paced and light on its feet. It's more comedic dialogue versus some of those old movies that stop dead to have a guy in a really deep voice just basically give explanation <laughs> as to what's going on for 12 minutes. I've never watched any of those films. The, the Blob, um, The Mist mm, and things yeah. like that. Well, they, they sort of kind of tried to revive them um, with Eight-Legged Freaks. Mm-hmm. That was one of the more sort of recent ones, which was kind of a short-lived revival of, of that type of film. Arachnophobia. Yeah, that's a ton of fun. Oh, I love yeah. that one. This this film, well, 
same year. This film also reminded me of a later, I think it was a 90s film, Evolution with David Duchovny, I think. Yeah, I mean, that was fun. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's a shame that I'd seen that one first when I was a kid and not this one. I think I'd rather done it the other way around, but hey Is there anything else guys want to say before we head to the scores? Okay, I have a couple things I'll bring up. One, um, there's a lot of references, I think, to Evil Dead going on here where you have the force POV of the camera chasing after people. That's something that's very much engineered in the Evil Dead series. And so uh, much of this movie can be owed to 1950s stuff or Jaws. You look at the poster for Tremors, it's Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of Evil Dead filmmaking going on here. Just secondly, is this movie bloody enough? Like, would it be more fun if it was more kind of B-movie over-the-top gore, or is it perfectly fine with you guys? I'm just curious where you came down. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the level of gore. I like that some deaths are a bit more seen on screen than others, and the bit with the kind of the face in the sand for me is peak. I think it's just about enough and still quite funny to have the right balance and I do like how the kind of when the worm kind of expires it's kind of got that like yellow bile Mm. kind of colour coming out of it as opposed to blood and there's like when the sheep are killed there's like intestines and stuff so I'm I'm happy with the level I think for for me I wouldn't have watched it so many so much as a kid um, if it was gorier I'm a bit of a scaredy cat in that way so I think that was the right level of like fun and and uh, gore to it. Having said that, I watched Robocop many times as a kid, so hmm. I, I can't speak. Um, I think my favourite death actually is that first one where you see the guy at the pylon. Maybe as an adult, maybe as a kid I would have thought that's a bit shit, but as an adult, just, you know, the fear that this guy has, that he's he stayed up there for four days and dehydrated, that's that's really, that's really, really tense, I think. Well, <clears throat> that might bring us on to a fun little topic, but what was your favourite kill? So we've got, um, we've got yours, Kobe, by the sounds of it. Yeah, let's go for that one. I think I'll chuck in. My favourite is, um, I think it was, is it like a doctor and his wife? Um, and he gets swallowed first and then she gets swallowed in the car. Mm. Because I think all as kids, maybe this just is a UK thing, but we all seem to have the irrational fear of quicksand. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I've never encountered quicksand, but I was very scared of it as a child. So seeing this, uh, this full-grown man get pulled into the sand was uh, quite terrifying. There's a whole, I'm, I'm sure I listened to a podcast about why kids of the 80s and the 90s were scared of quicksand. And it was like a general like existential threat, threat in like many of our films. And to the extent that you, like, you were, I'd be on the beach and be like, Dad, is that quicksand? Because I, I can't even, if that's quicksand. Dad, you, you go first. Dad, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got to go with Victor Wong's death, the mm. uh, shopkeeper. Mm. He's the one you get to really see being dragged into the mouth of the worm. It's really yeah. effective. He gets the quid death. Mm, yeah, he does. Yeah, good call. Do you reckon that's um, maybe due to the special effects at the time, they only have one big death like that where you really see the goods town on it? Or that's maybe part of filmmaking where you have the kind of off-screen deaths which set up the, the, the fear and then that one time at the end you, you see the proper kill. I think part of it is, you know, Ron Underwood, who directed it, he's he's a pretty solid guy. He did, you know, City Slickers. He did Mighty oh. Joe Young. He's done some good okay. studio movies. But I think you want to have a certain amount of variety in your kills. And there's only so many ways someone can get sucked into the mouth of a worm. <laughs> so it's kind of like once you do it that way once, you want to find different ways. You know, the guy getting pulled through the tire and things like mm. that just to keep it more more varied. 
more fun. I don't know, Cam. This has had like seven sequels. That is true. And I have seen four of them. Helen. My favorite kill is a pneumatic drill guy. Mm. Everyone's had a different kill. Nice. Off screen, mm. you see the remnants. You kind of have the mad moment. It's near the start. You don't know what's going on. It's kind of like the oozy blood. And it's a bit funny as well. Before we get to the scores, Cam, I've got to ask, because I've never been interested in seeing any of the sequels. Um, same with Jaws. I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a Jaws sequel. Is there anything to go Can into? you rank them? I, I'm pretty sure if I were to rank them, it would just go in descending order of like one, two, three, four. <laughs> um, everyone just kind of comes up with a gimmick for the Graboids. So like the second one, they have legs. So they're kind of basically oh, just what? doing raptor stuff. Like it, it was ripping off, ripping off Jurassic Park and the Lost World a lot in the second one. Fred Ward's a star, so I guess it has that going for it. The third one, they can fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're called Ass Blasters at that point. And the fourth one was just a prequel set in, like, the Wild West kind of era. But Michael Gross is in, like, all of them. And I I bailed after the fourth one. I know there's three more that have come out since I have not seen them. And I'm not particularly compelled to. I'm genuinely curious to see if they ever go to space. If it's following mm. the Fast and Furious trajectory and it's, like, submarine and then space. <laughs> uh, on that, guys, let's head to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places, and we will start with you, please, Scott, with your recommendability. Solid five. It's oh wow! It's a fun film that actually is good for almost the whole family. I know it's a bit gory at times, but this was when we were all watching, you know, horror films in the eighties and nineties as kids. And I think you could play it to kids now, and they would find it hilarious and fun. And adults mm. find it hilarious and fun too. And you could rewatch it as much as you want. It's just a good film. Scott, uh, sorry, Cam. I think I'd go with a four. Um, I think though it is a really good entry level creature feature. Um, Obviously, you know, you're going to give like a five to like a Jaws or an Alien or something like that. Like those are the undisputed classics. But for ones that are more like B-movie fun, it gets a lot tougher. You know, you'll have something like maybe Gremlins and things like that. But I think Tremors fits in well in that camp of those really good ones that aren't great films, but are a lot of fun. Helen. I mean, I love this film, um, mainly through nostalgia and 
just because it's so silly. Um, however, I have discovered it is impossible to recommend it to everyone uh, as none of my tempting of the joys of giant worms and Kevin Bacon uh, could convince my husband to watch it, unfortunately. So it cannot get a five if I cannot recommend it to everybody. So I'm going to give it a 4.8. Uh, yeah, I'm going to 4.5. I had a similar kind of predicament. Maybe I didn't try and force my, my wife as much, but I just said, do you want to tremors? And she kind of looked at me like a fucking idiot. Um, so... <laughs> 4.5. I, I, again, I, she's like the same age as me. I just thought she'd seen it like, many times. I would have like screamed at the chance, uh, but I was wrong. They just don't know what they're missing. Well, is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that Scott watched it for the first time and liked it because that was my, as you say, with Goonies and some of the other films I recommend, you'd recommend to people to watch it for the first time as, as a grown-up, you think. Yeah, you need, you need the nostalgia there to really drive you through these films sometimes. Repeat being score. It's your first time. You've only seen it once, Scott. Are you going to watch it again? Absolutely. I I could see myself buying it on physical media um, just just to watch it again. I, I it's just a fun film that I, I could stick on. That. I, I don't know. <laughs> I might have a VH. I might have a VHS at my parents' house. Do you want Send that? Send it over. I'll find my player somewhere. It's all good. Um, I, it's just one of those films that you could put on and laugh at and have a good time. And these days, I feel like we need that. So, what was that score? Uh, 4.5. Immense. Um, Cam? For me, this one is probably a 3.5. Like, it's not one of the all-time rewatchable um, creature features for me, but it's one that, this was the first time I'd seen it since I was a teenager, and I really mm. enjoyed watching it again. Um, but it's not one that I'll be, you know, tuning into in a year. Like, I will probably have watched, you know, Jaws 3 a couple more times before I get back to that. And that really has nothing to do with quality. So please don't hold that against me. It just is more my taste and creature feature. Helen? Uh, a very, very strong four. I mean, I have seen it lots. I just remember being so excited as a kid when it was like, Tremors is on TV. Mm. Can we watch it? Yeah. So yeah, four. I'm going for three simply because I haven't watched it for at least two decades. And I will watch it again. And I was delighted that it's still fun. Um, and like you say, when, when, when I looked at the Radio Times or the equivalent of TV Guide or whatever you have in Canada, when I saw it was on there, it's always circled. Dog, dog here, the page. Um, and it would be definitely one I'd be watching that, that Saturday or whatever night it was on TV. So yeah, what did I say? Three? Um, small screen score. Interesting one, this one. Scott. Well, I have a little story for this one, if you'll give me the time to tell you. Sure. So at the time of recording of this, the UK is going for a slight heat wave. We're all mm -hmm. melting currently whilst watching our, each other on, on screen currently. And um, so basically I have a dog and we were watching it in our front room. I say we, he was also watching it apparently in this story. Um, and we were melting. We were melting and so I wanted to get him out of the heat. So I took him into the air conditioning room, which is the bedroom, but I have no TV in there. And so I had to finish the film on my phone. Mm. So the last 30 minutes this, I actually watched on my phone. Mm. And I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> so I would give it a three. I think this actually would do better on a bigger screen. Fair enough. Cam? I'm going to give this one a four for the home screen. I actually think this movie wasn't a real financial success at the box office. Was it not? No, there's a reason all the sequels were straight to video. Okay. Um, 
So just looks like the shit. I think this is a movie that very much it's <laughs> it's a legacy and it's you know cult popularity comes from the fact it was very easily digestible at home. It's one people were watching at sleepovers and parties mm. and things like that. It feels like the kind of thing you'd be handing a VHS or a DVD to, or I guess now a Blu-ray or 4K disc, just to kind of be like, have you seen this movie? You got to check it out. I don't think it's one you necessarily need to see in theaters to understand why it's so much fun. Uh, Helen. Yeah, so I have only ever seen this on TVs of various sizes. And while there's nothing particularly cinematic about it that would warrant, you know, watching it on the big screen, I do think the shared experience of watching Tremors with at least another person or persons is something that's quite enjoyable. Whereas watching it on my own didn't kind of, didn't have the same sort of feeling as watching it with like friends like you said, you know, come around and, and watch a film and, you know, Tremors would be the picked one. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a four as well, um, just for having that kind of shared experience of watching it with loads of other Tremor fans, really. Yeah, I'm going to give it for maybe even a bit higher. Um, no, a bit lower, uh, 3.5. I would, I think this would be great in the Prince Charles or another rep cinema um with other people who love the film i think you get a lot more a lot of buzz out of it and i'm sure there'll be some noise for when that kid turns up on the screen on the screen is that kid in the the subsequent films (laughs) Uh, no i don't think melvin has a big dynamic comeback in the sequels i i i did not like that child i can Um, see this having like a if you like prince charles is a good example i can see this being played and people like shouting lines at the screen that kind of like the room that cult b movie stuff take off your pants Uh, the image that stuck in my mind from a kid was um, was Jurassic Park girl on the on the um, pogo stick, and you know, so they, everyone was like, "Where is she?" And of course, she's on the pogo stick with the headphones on, so she can't hear anyone screaming at her. And that's exactly when the the graboid is going to. And that 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 scene, I'm sure, will kill in the cinema, um, as well as the take off your pants scene. Engagement score, Scott. I struggled with this one because it kept me engaged, but I don't know if it would necessarily keep a child engaged. So I went for 3.5. I could see a child wandering off at some of the expositiony bits. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Graboid stuff is great. So 3.5. I would say the same, actually. It has sort of a very low-key, you know, energy to a lot of it. It's a, it's kind of a hangout movie. Mm. Um, it's not like an electric experience. It's not the one that's like holding you and forcing you to watch the screen for those, you know, 90 minutes. It's one where you can kind of just turn it on at parties with your friends. Um, you can watch the good bits. You can still have a lot of fun just kind of, you know, seeing all the graboid kills. But there is value to sitting and actually experiencing it, you know, straight through. It's a lot of fun, but it works either way. So 3.5. Mm-hmm. Helen? Yeah, I'm going to say the same as well, 3.5. It's kind of easy on the brain, this film. You don't really need to be focused even if you kind of miss a bit you can kind of work out what's happened or is going to happen so you zone in for like the fun bits and then for the other bits you can be like yeah it's all right if i uh i just nip to the toilet while the the down low bit is and not much worm action is happening there so yeah 3.5 uh, i'm gonna touch how you guys are 3.9 i think a couple of bits i liked in this was the kind of set up of the exposition of how they can get out of the valley for example um and that meant they were stuck in there because it's always nice you know, you always have the creature features. There's always a reason why they can't escape from the place and just fly out. Mm. Um, so I thought it was really cool how the, you know, the, the valley kind of shut down and things like that. Uh, that's part of the exposition. And I was also quite, a, I knew exactly what was going to happen. 
with the ugly, horrible, disgusting seismologist, of course, Kevin Bacon's going to fall in love with the end because actually she's very attractive. Um, but it's things like that that kind of kept me the underswell of the story going. Apparently that was a reshoot. What, the kiss or the... The kiss, which, yeah. Okay. It ended as um, just him sort of like looking at Fred Ward and being like, and then the credits, basically. Um, which actually sort of suits the Kevin Bacon character in the film. But uh, yeah, then they decided to reshoot the kiss and put that in. Is that because of a focus group? You know what this film needs? Romance. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no character arcs in the entire film. So they were like, we've got to have something. <laughs> and that's what that's... Something that's, for the ladies. That's his growth, is it? He's gone from not wanting just blonde women to wanting women with other colour hair. Is that is that, this, is that his growth? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> okay, the overall score is... 3.88750. Yeah, that's decent. I like that. I like that. Um, okay, so Twitter, do follow us, guys. If this is your first time listening to us here at Flixwatcher Podcast, do follow us. We are at Flixwatcher Pod. And before we do a recording, we put a tweet out saying something similar to We're Reviewing Tremors with Tiberius Hardy and Cam V. Smith and Spy Hearts. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and the score out of five stars. Um, and we always get people um, responding to the films that we're about to review. So, Scott, you chose this film. Can you pick one of the tweets? Absolutely. I'm going to go for Lee Thomas. That's at Lee Thomas 5. Big, dumb, fun. Always want to put a smile on my face. Three giant worms. Three worms out of five. <laughs> Cam. Uh, I'll go with Alex Elliott. He says, I love Tremors. I keep going back to visit the characters of perfection as they are warm and silly fun. Four stars. Apart from Melvin. Helen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one is from uh, Pascas, universally speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. It never gets old. Great performances throughout and such wonderful practical effects. Four stars. Uh, one more from Scott. The last one here, we have the Short Shorts podcast at the Short Shorts one. Best desert movie. Five stars. <laughs> Take that, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can you sign up by letting us know where we can find you online and say goodbye to our listeners? Yeah, you can find us. I mean, we're spies, but we're really bad at it. So we're all over the place on social media at SpyHards. That's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S. And um, yeah, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. And also your podcast is SpyHards. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, yeah. SpyHards. Search on it anywhere you get podcasts. Well, basically, wherever you listen to this podcast, go to that place and find it there. You don't need to go to a different one. Just stay in the same place. Yeah, when, when this ends, just, you know, search for Spy Hard, subscribe, listen to all the episodes in a row, and then you'll be yeah. ready for your next episode to come out as well. Perfect. Yeah, listen to Condor Man first, uh, even if you've never heard of that film before at all. Uh, thanks very much, guys. No, pleasure's all ours. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R O K K Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production